This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. This episode is sponsored by The Latte Co. If you follow me on social media, you'll know that I make Milo smoothies all the time and I'm always putting a powder in them. That powder is created by The Latte Co. It is 100% plant-based. They have a baby latte, which is for 12 months and up, and then a kiddo latte, which is what Milo is using right now, which is for 24 months and up. You can put the powder in just water, you can put it in smoothies, you can even throw it in baking. It's made with organic, whole food ingredients, it contains more calcium than cow's milk, has a huge range of vitamins and minerals, it is gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and it is nut-free. I'll just read off some of the ingredients here. So hemp hearts, pea protein powder, grinded flax seeds, beetroot, green cabbage, kale, broccoli, tomato, pumpkin. I mean, it goes on and on. I consider this stuff my secret weapon and it's so nice to give Milo a smoothie that has this powder in it and I know that he's getting a bunch of nutrition. The awesome people at The Latte Co. would like to give you guys 10% off and free shipping on your first order with the promo code THEMOMROOM10. You can find the link in the episode notes or you can simply go to thelatteco.com. I cannot recommend this stuff enough. So remember, it is promo code THEMOMROOM10 for a 10% discount and free shipping. www.thelatteco.com. Today, I'm speaking with Jennifer Anderson. She is a registered dietitian, a mom of two young boys, and the creator behind Kids Eat in Color. She helps parents let go of mealtime battles, reduce their stress, and get their kids on the path to eating better. The first question I have for you is, I'm very curious about how Kids Eat in Color became a thing. I was reading a little bit about your background. You did your master's, then you did nutrition. But specifically when it comes to kids and nutrition, I'm curious if that all started after you had kids. For sure. Well, yes and no. As soon as I finished college and I had studied cultural anthropology, so it was like totally unrelated to nutrition. I actually worked at a community food bank coordinating their youth nutrition program. And that is when I became interested in nutrition because I visited youth sites where we were bringing in foods and trying to get more veggies and fresh foods into you know, at risk youth gathering places. And the kids were like scared of the broccoli. They didn't, they had never seen a baby carrot, things like that. Began to understand more in depth what a role lack of nutrition can play in communities that don't have access to food and, and resources. And at that point I decided to go study nutrition. So that was, that was something that really got me into it. And then I graduated and I, tried to find a job. And at that point it was, Hey, I'm pregnant. I have to find a job to provide for my kid. And it doesn't really matter what job that is. So I'm just going to take the one that, that comes up. And so I wasn't really working in child nutrition at that time. I was actually doing information related stuff, marketing and kind of like information technology for the SnapEd program, which is a national education program for SnapEd. But fast forward, I had the kid, 
think it is fine until six months. And then the doctor's like, I think you need to start feeding your child pediature. They're not gaining no weight, all this stuff. And it was like standing in that little exam room with the pediatrician, hearing them say that, where I thought, wait, but I'm a dietitian. How is this happening? I thought feeding kids was easy. And everything kind of came into a different perspective. Feeding kids is tricky. It can be really alienating. It's a huge worry when your kid isn't gaining right, or they aren't eating properly, or they aren't eating a wide variety of foods. And that is when my perspective began to shift. And Kids Eat Color really came around when I first went to preschool and I was making these cute little lunches because he needed something to incentivize him to actually eat his food. Yeah, I feel like the two biggest stressors of having kids are sleep, like their sleep, and then feeding them. You have to sleep and they have to eat every day. So it, it's like nonstop stress. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, those things, they eat like six times a day, up to six times a day. And then, the, you know, sleeping, same thing. It's like the naps and the nighttime. <laughs> and so I'm assuming now you do the kids eat and color stuff full time. I do. I, I quit my job in last January. So it's been a little over a year that I've been, well, I did have a full-time job and was doing kids eat and color full-time for six months to a year. (laughs) But then (laughs) I just had one full-time job after I quit. And how are you finding it transitioning from, I'm assuming working in a, you know, an organization or for somebody versus you're just on your own now? Yeah, I love doing whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> independent person. And, and I had a bit of independence in my job and I managed a team and all that sort of thing. But now okay, I can do whatever I want. And I don't have to, you know, go through all the channels and the bureaucracy. I actually was a consultant to the government. So government bureaucracy is is next level. So the fact that I that my team, like we can come up with an idea. And then we can try that idea without asking anybody else's permission is awesome. (laughs) But I will say I quit right before the pandemic. So, you know, it's been a ride this year. Yeah, different for sure. I did the transition. I was in grad school for 10 plus years. So that's kind of like you're working independently and then finished right before quarantine started here. And it kind of... Now what I'm doing, I'm still working independently. So I didn't really have like a huge shift, but it's nice like writing my blogs and stuff or doing the podcast. I can say whatever I want and I don't have to reference anything. <laughs> I'm like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Great. Right. another layer. My husband was in graduate school for, well, he's been out of school for about a year and a half now, but he was in graduate school for years and years getting his PhD. So the whole like kids and PhDs and work, I mean, it's a trip. Yeah. What's his PhD in? Mechanical engineering. Ah, okay. I wanted to bring up your latest blog post, which was about heavy metals being found or traces of it being found in baby food. I remember when Milo was born and he started to eat solids. That was first 
from what I know in the news. And I remember thinking, oh my God, going to the grocery store because rice was a big, like a big food group that they were saying you should avoid, or it has the highest levels of heavy metals. And I remember going to the grocery store and being like, all the baby food is rice-based. So I would seek out like oat-based cereals or, you know, what I could find that wasn't made from rice. And I guess recently this just came back up in the news and you wrote a blog post about it, which I highly recommend people go read. But I thought we could chat about that a little bit and what your take is on that. Yeah, so so it's not new. We've known for quite some time, toxicologists have known and you know, different people have known that because rice grows in the ground and arsenic is in, arsenic is often in water and in the ground. And rice, for some reason, really absorbs arsenic more than some other metals. And the fields are flooded with this water that has arsenic and that sort of thing. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of arsenic in rice. And this is not a brand new thing. This has probably been like a 10-year, roughly 10-year-old issue of people trying to figure out, like, what is the role of the government? What is the role of the private sector? What is the role of parents trying to reduce this? It's not like there's there are food companies who are just, like, adding arsenic to baby food cereal being like we want to poison the babies I mean that's like not happening but it is kind of kind of complicated right because babies are small and that's why we care about these heavy metals there's not really any safe level of of these heavy metals at the same time all food has heavy metals in it. It all grows in the ground, depending on how how many heavy metals were in the ground, where it was grown, the the amounts are going to be different. And then depending on how the food is prepared, it's also going to be different. For example, if you take rice and you add water in a ratio of six to 10 to one, which means one cup of rice, six to 10 cups water. Now this is a vastly different method of cooking rice, right? And you cook it until the rice is ready, and then you pour off all the water. It can reduce the amount of arsenic in that rice by 40 to 60%. So, you actually, there are some cooking methods, you know, boiling things, but it's always a trade off, right? Because you, you boil something enough to get all the arsenic out, and then nobody's going to eat it because it's mm. disgusting. <laughs> so, so, there's all these things. And the other thing is, you know, it's not just arsenic, it's also cadmium, it's also lead. You know, there's, there's enough scary information out, out there to really freak us out. And what I always like to tell parents is the fastest way to damage your child is to stop feeding them. It is the fastest way you could possibly do major, major damage to your child is to stop feeding them. Food is incredibly important. It's really important. And you should not ever stop feeding your child because you're afraid of heavy metals. When we start to think about it in that sense, and we also understand at the same time, all foods have the dark side. That's what I like to say. All foods have a dark side. You name it, I have been asked why XYZ food is poison and what people should feed instead of it. Every single food, maybe not broccoli, but probably broccoli too. Actually, yeah, broccoli. I mean, there's probably some food out there that is quote clean, but that idea that we can eat clean, that marketing ploy, this idea that there's clean eating, I find that that causes so much stress, detriment to parents, and even detriment to children because we freak out and then we're like, oh my gosh, I have to remove all these foods from their diet. 
but then we double the dose of these other foods. And guess what? All those other foods have a dark side. So now you've doubled their dose to whatever the dark side is of those other foods. The real bottom line of this is we need to serve variety. The biggest variety that you have access to. And when I say access, I mean time, money, mental energy, emotional energy, all those things play into what we're capable of in any given moment. Whatever we are capable of, we should use our our biggest variety of food. That protects our risk. Like, Don't feed your baby just rice. That is not a good idea. That is not an evidence-based practice for a lot of reasons, but also because they're probably going to get a really high dose of arsenic, and we don't want that. They're also going to become protein deficient, all these things. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Little Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner... I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. 
Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. But really what we want is this wide variety. It is a good idea to use an oat cereal or a barley cereal, if you're doing cereal, instead of rice. That is a best practice at this point. And if you have a rice-based culture, learning to prepare your rice in a different way to reduce the arsenic significantly is a great idea. But otherwise, our recommendations don't really change that much. Variety, feeding your child regularly throughout the day instead of letting them graze so that they're hungry for, for nutritious foods and a variety of foods, right? Going back to that variety. and Balanced, balanced meals, right? Kind of pushing the envelope on whatever you're capable of and have access to. Yeah. I think when the media comes out with the headlines that, you know, they just want people to click on it and to read it, it almost implies that, you know, someone looking at that headline might think, oh, there's heavy metals in baby food, but not adult food. Like, no, it's in all food. Right. It's just they're reporting about baby food because it's kind of an important topic. And it was a congressional report specifically looking at the baby food industry. Because guess what? They aren't going to regulate what you do in your kitchen. So nobody wants Congress messing with what happens in their kitchen. But what Congress is responsible for is setting some of these standards. Like, hey, baby food companies, we know this is a tough issue. And we know that the manufacturing process, it seems, does add some heavy metals that wouldn't normally be there via the the, process, the the machines or powder products or things like this. But we want you to find, we want you to develop some new technology. Now, a baby food company is never going to do that because that's expensive. It's going to hurt their bottom line and it's going to be really difficult. And we don't know what that looks like on a big scale. In the article I wrote, I mentioned that there is a baby, there, there was a formula company in 2012 that really that found out their their formula had some higher levels of arsenic related to brown rice syrup. And they went out of their way as a smaller company to find a new source of rice, develop a new technology to remove arsenic from that one ingredient and bring that amount to zero. But you think about what does that mean on a like a worldwide scale? Because we're sourcing rice from all over the world. Like not all the baby food companies are going to be able to go to that one little farm that has no arsenic in the ground. So what does this look like on a broader scale? There's just a lot of questions. And it's great that Congress is involved and it's great that the baby food companies are involved. You know what? It's great that there is this awareness. The parents were like, hey, you know, something's not right about this. We need to be part of the change. Like call your representative, call the baby food company, stop buying the rice cereal because your dollars are votes, right? But also do yourself a favor and come to a place of peace in your mind where you can say, Hey, all food has a negative side. Yes. I did baby led weaning. Guess what was in the sweet potatoes from the store? Heavy metals. Even if you did baby led weaning and, and that's the real kicker. I, I had so many self-righteous <laughs> comments over the weekend. Well, I'm so glad that I did baby led weaning. I feel so sorry for all the moms who didn't. Like, I hate to break it to you, but guess what? The potatoes all grew in the ground. It doesn't matter if they're organic. <laughs> it all matters like the soil. 
So the reality is, I don't know how much arsenic or heavy metals, you know, lead, all sorts of exciting stuff is in your sweet potatoes and carrots, but it still is a contribution to your child's diet. So we have to just come to grips with the fact that yes, all foods have a dark side and have that moment of panic. And then also say, okay, but we all have to eat and we have to live. And this is how we live by eating these foods. And it's okay. We're going to be okay. We, we have to trust that we do have some detoxification systems in our bodies that are helpful. For sure. I liked that you pointed out the organic thing, because I think people look at the word organic and think, okay, there's nothing bad, you know, in this apple because it's organic, but it's so much more complicated. Than oh my that. gosh, so much more complicated. I mean, like, oh, there's, there's no chemicals on this apple because it's organic. Well, that's not true. I, organic is a method of growing food and they use chemicals. They just use organic approved chemicals. So, I mean, there's just a lot of misconceptions about what organic means. And, and I mean, the organic people love the fact that people think organic means nothing, nothing bad because then they can sell more, right? And they can charge more and people are like, well, because it has nothing bad, I'll spend five times as much. The reality is it's just different and it still had to grow on the ground. So, you know. I was going through, this was a long time ago, I was looking through your highlight reels on your Instagram profile, and you had one that talks about baby-led weaning versus doing purees. And then you also had one, I think, for breastfeeding and formula feeding. And I absolutely loved the way you talked about these things and how, you know, people might consider one method the best, but it's not the best for everybody. Me personally, I tried to do baby lead weaning because, you know, of course, oh my God, this is the hottest thing to do right now. And, you know, if you don't do baby lead weaning, your child's not gonna be able to eat on their own when they're 13, you know? So I tried and it lasted about 30 seconds because I am anxious about choking, like really anxious. No matter how much I watch YouTube videos about oh, if they're gagging, that's good. Like they're learning, like it's choking is actually silent. So if they're silent, then they're choking, like all those things. I knew that it wasn't for me. So I did the purees. I blended all his foods, even still, like we cut up his food (laughs) super small because I'm anxious. (laughs) So I thought you could tell us a little bit about your experience with regard to baby led weaning and breastfeeding, kind of your um, perspective on those things. Yeah. So my overarching perspective, I always have to find this balance because I have a master's degree in public health. We learn all the ways that people damage themselves and each other. <laughs> learn the best practices to try to fix that, right? That is, that is what a public health degree is. And so I was trying to walk this line of presenting the best practices, but also acknowledging the reality because the difference between those two things is night and day. Because there may be some best practice out there that says, let's just say, now baby led weaning is not a best practice. So let me choose something that is a best practice. Okay, so uh, the best practice might be, don't give babies rice cereal. Okay, let's just take that, right? That's the best practice. Then I get this baby and they're allergic to oats and barley and they have an iron deficiency. And... They're allergic to a whole bunch of other things. And really it comes down to five safe foods that I'm taking them through this allergy protocol. And guess what? One of those is rice. 
guess what's the best practice in that situation to give the baby rice because the baby's got to live, right? And we got to, we got to get that baby rice and we have to get that baby fed so that they can eventually branch out as their body becomes ready. There is always an exception out there to a best practice. I mean, the best practice might be featured child on a schedule, which is a best practice. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a hard schedule depending on the situation. It could be routine, whatever. I was talking to a dad on a podcast two weeks ago and he said, my in-laws are watching my child and they're feeding the kid whenever they want, but there are only childcare. And that's the only way my wife and I can work in the pandemic. Guess what? The best practice is feeding your kids on a routine. The reality is the grandparents are going to feed that kid whenever they want to make their life easier because they're providing free childcare. And they have to, the parents have to take the free childcare because it's a pandemic and life is complicated right now. So in that situation, the best practice is really do whatever you got to do to make it work. So we always have to have, hold these things in tension where, you know, we're saying, hey, this is the best practice. I know the story that you're talking about. I went through a lot of scenarios and, you know, what's the best practice, vaginal birth or cesarean? Like, typically it's kind of vaginal birth until that doesn't work. And then it's cesarean, right? Like I had a cesarean with my first kid. What's the best practice? Feeding is the best practice until it doesn't work. And for whatever reason, and of course there's a whole list of reasons for that, in which case it is not a best practice for you. So like I supplement fed my first, my second kid, he had jaundice. He needed to be pumped full of fluids to clear from his system. And that's what kept him out of the NICU. Like best practice right there to do what he needed, which was breast milk and formula. So there's all these situations where we can, we, we have to come to this place in our own minds where we can understand, yeah, there are these big high level recommendations and that's a good thing. There's no shame in there being big public health recommendations because they make really big good, helpful changes on national levels. But then we always have to also keep in mind that might not be best for me and my family. And it's okay that those two things are different. It doesn't make me a bad mom. It just, you know, those recommendations are written for populations, not for individuals. And so we always have to find what works for us. It's almost like when I remember when I was pregnant, I met with a doula or we did a birth class or something. And it struck me when they said, don't have a birth plan. You just have preferences. And that's kind of the same idea, you know, like you can strive to do all these best practice things, but your unique situation is going to determine whether or not you can do that. And you have to weigh the pros and cons. Like, like with the breastfeeding, I always think the mom's mental health is also important. Oh, absolutely. If you are not in a position where you can breastfeed, then you can't breastfeed and that's best for you. <laughs> so we always have to think like, yeah, the the people making public health recommendations, they have to kind of speak to what's best on everybody's level. But they're remember, they're reading research that's comparing two populations, right? So... They're looking at on the whole, it helped more, this helped more people than this. But there were always people who didn't get helped with whatever thing was 
what happened, right? So the baby led weaning community, and I think I think they kind of hate me. Well, one, I never did baby led weaning, and they always assume I did because it's so hot, right? I didn't even know about it with my first kid. I I mean, we had postpartum depression. I had a baby. I wasn't like thriving, if you will. I went to the you know the classic registered dietitian. I was like, how do I how do I feed my kid? You know, and and honestly, it's so much more about parenting practices than the type of food in my opinion not to say it's only that way but but yeah like I I didn't do baby led weaning I hadn't even heard of it and but I met some people who had done baby led weaning they were the biggest jerks on the planet (laughs) I mean here I was I just had a baby I'm working full-time my husband's working on his PhD we're struggling and this lady tells me about how great baby led weaning is and how her child is such a great eater because of it. And she is so much better than me. I mean, that's like all I could hear was, I'm so much better than you. And I thought, gosh, well, I don't ever want to do whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I did have some people in my circle who just kind of rolled their eyes at the baby led weaning attitude that sometimes comes out. And I'm not going to say that every baby led weaning mom is like that. They are absolutely not. But often when we do something new or we do something exciting or we do something that requires a lot of effort, like baby led weaning, we justify it to ourselves. We say, this is better. So I'm going to put forth the effort. So then when we're talking to somebody else, we, we say that like, this is better. So I'm putting forth the effort. And the other person is like, telling me I'm wrong. You're telling me like, I'm not doing enough, but really what the person is kind of suggesting is, I feel really good about what I did. And and I put forth this effort and I got a good result and I'm excited about it. Right. That's, that's the person who maybe did baby led weaning and had a good experience. But, But we hear these messages. If you do baby led weaning, you'll never have a picky eater. Tell you how many hundreds of thousands of baby led weaning parents I have who come to me because they're like, I failed. I'm a horrible parent because I did baby led weaning. I still have a picky eater, right? I'm like, okay, (laughs) come to me. It's okay. It's not your fault. Feeding kids is tricky, right? So we really have to examine ourselves and be like, I'm suggesting that I'm better than this person because I did this hard thing or I made this decision that was hard and took a lot of energy and so I'm making it sound like it's better or, or am I just like excited? I think, I think there's this fine line and so much, moms just love to judge each other. The thing that I always think about is when, and it could be social media, it could be in person, when a mom interacts with another mom or sees what another mom is doing, it's instant evaluation of what that mom is doing, as opposed to trying to understand their situation and why maybe they made the choice that they made. Another thing is like, we all have different priorities. So somebody who is a food person and likes to be in the kitchen, well, maybe they're more likely to do baby led weaning because it gives them, like you said, they feel good about it. But like for me, I'm more likely to, you know, put on nineties dance music and have a dance party in the kitchen. Like I don't want to spend time in the kitchen but I will spend the time to get him dressed, take him to the park, like to do other things. There's moms that I see on TikTok, like so impressive who do all the crafts with their kids. And I'm like, wow, that is amazing. And maybe I will take some inspiration from that. 
but it's not my priority. <laughs> I'll tell you, I have almost never done any class with my children. I try, but what a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> like you are amazing. Like my mom, she'll like get in there with the kids and help them and and like teach them all these things. And I'm like, that is amazing. And also I would rather do anything except for that. Like crafting with kids is kind of a living nightmare to me, <laughs> which just makes me appreciate how many other moms are super into it and they love it. The theme birthday parties and the crafts that match the birthday party, like amazing, super fun. Also, I never even, I like, I cannot, I, <laughs> it just doesn't work for me. We all have our things. Totally. But we will take a cucumber and punch out a little fishy shape and stick it in their lunch, right? 30 seconds, not bad. And then my kid ate his lunch. So I'm good. Right? <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't believe you would do that. Like, I'm like, hey, you don't know my kid. You don't know my situation. And frankly, I thought it was fun to punch a fish out of a cucumber. So thank you very much. Yeah, I'm hit or miss. Like I, you know, one day I'll get some idea and spend hours making some special meal or I made these vegetable muffins for Milo a couple weeks ago. So I get these like bursts of motivation, but it's not like a continuous thing. Right. I think we just really have to, you have to step back and say, okay, what's going to work for me? You know, yeah, I'm going to listen to the best practice. And then I'm going to say, what does that look like in my life? Can, can I implement that? Yeah. When we can kind of stop And I know it's easy to be like, stop comparing yourself, which is, I don't even know if that's possible. But when you can just kind of come to terms with, this is my best and that works for me. And we start to feel better. Yeah. I think if everyone was really confident in their choices, you would have so much less judgment and, you know, shaming and all that stuff for sure. Something I wanted to ask you about was, and I'm sure this is very common and not unique to my situation. My son, he used to be an amazing eater at home and at daycare. And then slowly he started to become an amazing eater at daycare. So I see everything that he eats all day. And it's like, no matter what it is, it's like he ate it all. And then he comes home and we could serve the exact same thing. And he's not interested in it at home. He's like, yucky. Like, what is that? There's a couple things. One, remind me how old he is. He is 29 months, I think. Yeah. Okay. So uh, between one and two, often picky eating begins to emerge. The reason is kids have a developmental shift where they begin to be scared of new things. You see separation anxiety, you see scared, you know, kids being scared of something that they don't recognize and it carries over to food. So we call it food neo- neophobia, which means the fear of new foods. It, it could be a food that they haven't seen for one month and suddenly it feels new to them. And you're like, but you always love this and now you hate it. It's just something that happens and it's really, really common. The other thing about daycare is daycare often does follow all of those feeding best practices. They're super consistent about the environment. And when I say the environment, what I mean is they're super consistent about when they serve foods. They're super consistent about only providing foods when it's food time. And they're also consistent about not making additional foods or anything else. And then they often have a very calm, non-distracted eating time. So those are the big three. And these are the things that I go over in my Better Bites program to help the families of picky eaters. 
is really laying out there your most important job in feeding your kid is less what you serve, although that is, that's a big part of it, but it's equally as important, like when you serve food and how you serve food or where you serve it. And daycares tend to be really, really good about the consistency. The kids are always sitting at a table. The kids are always sitting down. They don't have screens on. They're all the kids are doing it at the same time. So there's a social aspect and there's no other option. Like the kid knows, like I can't go run off and play. I have to sit here. The kid knows they're not going to bring me another plate of food. The kid knows all these things. So those together all play into a child being like, okay, I'll eat it. And when they get home, often as parents, I mean, we've been working all day. We're exhausted. It's a pandemic. We're burnt out, all these things. So when the kid sees the pasta, they throw a tantrum. We're like, "Eh, you know what? I'll just get you something else because I can't deal with it, right? And so the more we do those things or we have a screen on or we have a book out or we're like distracting the kids to eat them or we're just feeding them and we're not letting them be in charge of that. Not to say you can never feed your kid, but you know, sometimes we're just like, I'm just going to hurry up and I'm going to feed you. Things like that. The kid just just like, okay, well, I'm not going to eat it because I know I don't have to, or, you know, I'll just wait until daycare. I'll eat really well there. I'm tired. My parents are tired. I'm just not going to eat very much. I'll eat more in the morning, you know? So there's a lot of factors that kind of play into them, but often we see kids eat better at daycare. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Lola V. Lola V is an award-winning hair care line by none other than Jennifer Aniston. They offer clean, plant-powered products for every hair type and texture. I just did my whole hair care routine with all the products the other night, and I am obsessed. Along with incredible shampoo and conditioner, they have an intensive repair treatment that you can use once a week. They also have a lightweight hair oil. There's a leave-in treatment, and there's also a glossing detangling which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at www.lolav.com slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L-O-L-A-V-I-E. And so I made a TikTok or two about him not being interested in his dinner and then how my go-to thing on some nights is 
to make him a super nutritious smoothie full of like spinach. And I have this powder for infants and toddlers that's like packed with nutrition, oat milk, whatever. And I'll give that to him because in my mind, I'm like, I just want him to have some nutrition and I don't want him waking up at midnight, even though it's never happened before. I have this like mental (laughs) thing. I don't want him waking up at midnight hungry because then if he wakes up, I'm going to have this thought in my head that, oh my God, he must be hungry because he didn't eat dinner. And people give me a lot of shit for that because they're like, no wonder he's not going to eat his dinner if you're just going to make him a delicious smoothie. And to be honest, the smoothies are so healthy that sometimes I can barely drink them, but he sucks them down. So what's your thought on that? I'm so curious. So what I kind of refer to what you seem to be doing is a rescue snack. And I'm going to just be like completely just shoot straight with you. Often rescue snacks encourage picky eating at home. That said, it doesn't mean you're a bad parent if you're using a rescue snack. Obviously, you're doing it for good reasons. And does it mean you're going to end up with an extreme picky eater? Probably not. But it all depends. It all depends on kind of what you're doing the rest of the day. What I recommend with like after dinner snacks is if your kid needs one and you know they need one, that you plan it. Like we, in my house, because I have this kid who tends to not eat enough, we always have an after dinner snack. That is part of our eating plan. It is just part of our thing. And how do I know he needs that? Because my child will wake up in the middle of the night consistently. Now you're going to have a kid. doesn't matter what you feed them. One time now and then they're going to wake up in the middle of the night. I'm hungry. But most of the time you just say, Hey, go back to bed and they'll go back to bed or they're like, okay, here's a piece of cheese. Eat it real quick. And then go back to bed. It's not an incentive. You know, if you have a kid who can't go back to sleep in the middle of the night, cause they need a snack for some reason, it just feed them something non-exciting. Like don't get out the cookies and milk and just put them back to bed. But they don't want to be up in the middle of the night. Neither do you. It's just feed them and move on. Now, if you have a kid who doesn't need a bedtime snack. They're not waking up. And you're just thinking in your mind, they could wake up. The reality is they could wake up in the middle of the night. And they probably are for a million and a half reasons. Is this going to add a lot to that? Probably not. But when we have a really structured kind of take on dinner, and we say, this is what we do in our house. We have a dinner together. And then you don't have to eat. Like, yeah, you're two, but guess what? You actually don't have to eat it if you're not hungry. And what that does is it begins to give them confidence, internal confidence. My parents trust that I know my body and I trust that I know my body and my parents are giving me that space to know how much I need. And they're not going to then like make something super exciting later because the reality is probably not eating dinner because he's really tired and not really into eating. Part of me always thinks like he's eaten so much at daycare because he always eats everything and they have really awesome home cooked meals. So I'm like, maybe he's just not that hungry. Super common. Dinner is usually the meal that toddlers eat the least of. Now, in our minds, we kind of freak out because we're like, but that's where all the vegetables are. Well, switch it up, serve the healthy green smoothie for breakfast instead. And Give him that space to be like, yeah, you know, I could just 
not give them anything extra, that will kind of often help you down the road because the older kids get, the more they're like, I just won't eat this because I know that the smoothie is coming later. And that does become an issue for some kids, but not all kids. So we don't know if that's your right? But you can just take whatever that really nutrient-dense thing is and give it to them first thing in the morning. And actually, veggies for breakfast, I think veggie breakfast is really the most overlooked part of the day for kind of those nutrient-dense foods that kids don't always like because they often have more energy. They're more interested in breakfast and they're hungrier, right? So they're like, yeah, load me up. Leftovers of dinner, I'll eat it, whatever. Obviously not true for every kid by any means, but sometimes we see that. I saw on your Instagram that you guys often have eggs for dinner and that is so me. My whole thing with eating, and I think this runs in my family because my dad and my brother are the same way. I just don't want to be hungry. Like I, I care about nutrition, but like, I just don't want to be hungry. So for me, like having eggs for dinner quickly, that's fine. My husband, like, no, 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 no. Like he wants a full blown meal, which I get it, but it's so frustrating for me. (laughs) No, uh, I actually am not a fan of cooking. So sometimes I just can't, like, it's like a big lift for me. I hate it. It's a real pain, right? Yeah. But anyways, I saw that and I was like, oh, she eats eggs for dinner too. Because he always makes fun of me if I'm like, I'll just have eggs. <laughs> I mean, they're super nutrient dense. They're faster than fast food, at least for me and my house. Like by the time we get there and I get the kids in the car, like it's become a nightmare, not worth it. I can quickly eat some eggs and generally they eat them. I mean, every other day they're like, I hate eggs. I always hate eggs. <laughs> ate four of them yesterday. Oh God. I wanted to ask you what your top three go-to meals are in your house. Like I know for me, if I just want to make something quickly, it's usually like salmon in the oven with rice in the rice cooker. And then I steam veggies in the rice cooker. So it's super quick and easy. What are yours? We do like fish or chicken, just baked in the oven with yeah, something in the rice cooker and then like quinoa or rice or, or sometimes I'll do potatoes, but those take longer. And then I love to steam roast veggies for the kids where you put them on a pan, like on some parchment paper so you don't ever have to wash the pan. <laughs> and then you put like some oil, salt, whatever seasonings, whatever you do, and then cover it with foil, put it in the oven. Well, because the chicken is cooking anyway or the fish. And then it gets this, like, the softness of being steamed, but kind of the roasted flavor, which the kids love. And you don't have to worry as much about the choking hazards because it's soft. So that's one of our, that's like a big go-to. Basically, all of our actual go-to meals are in my meal plan, Real Easy Weekdays, which I created for myself (laughs) to make, like, a really easy way to just kind of, like, the family on autopilot more or less, but I have a lot of variety as well. And I wrote it as like when I was getting ready to leave my other job. So I was working full time and then also working full time. And my son was just going to school and needed two snacks and a lunch every day. And it was like this nightmare. And I was like, I can't think about meals anymore. I, I'm a dietitian. I can't think about it anymore. (laughs) So I made this meal plan for myself and I, I just kind of put it on Instagram. I was like, Hey, does anybody else 
anybody interested? I like get thousands of people like, yes, I need help. So I created really easy weekdays and, and now like lots of people, it's, it's really focused on having a smaller number of meals and recipes so that you can get faster at them. And, but yet that expose kids to wider variety of foods so that we're kind of hitting that, like the exposures that help manage picky eating or, or even help overcome in, in mild picky eating cases. And that's, I mean, that it's not, it's like, they're not hard meals by any means. I need to get this. <laughs> Clearly I need this. And I didn't put eggs on there, although we still eat eggs. It's more of like a weekday meal plan. And then on the weekends, you can eat eggs or nuggets or whatever. <laughs> nice. Do you have any snacks, like products that you would buy from the grocery store that are easy to just give your kids? Do you have any favorites like granola bars or? are really big on Lara bars. They're like, you know, the fruit and nuts. Eat. Now I will say for toddlers, you have to make sure your child can chew a little bit. Some of them have chunks of nuts. So you, it, that's like, you need to be there present in a high chair or a chair or something, watching them, making sure they're just getting little pieces because they can get balled up. But uh, aside from that, like we always have case. That's really our favorite. And of course there's like, you know, boxes of crackers and all that. What did stuff. you say? What was the other one you said? Oh, we have cases of the Lara bars. Oh, cases. Oh, okay. I thought you said something else. I was like, what? I missed it. <laughs> no, cases of them. Some of them don't have any added sugar. So especially with the toddlers, if you're trying to reduce their exposure to sugar because they don't know about it and why not, they have a whole bunch of varieties that don't have any added sugar. But then when your kid is like five to seven and they're like, oh, but all those other bars are very sweet and I love them. They have a whole bunch of other ones that have like a little bit of chocolate chips or whatever. And it's still, it's like four grams of sugar, which is so low. And the kids are like, oh my gosh, I just had a chocolate bar. And their mint chocolate chip one is seriously like dessert. Ooh, I haven't tried that one. I always get the peanut butter one. Oh, the peanut butter chocolate one? Yeah. That is my, that's my seven-year-old's favorite. He eats cases of them. <laughs> that's a great idea. Milo is obsessed with granola bars and I struggle with finding ones that have low sugar, but I never thought about Lara bars, even though I've had them before. I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, again, you just want to make sure because they are like a little more advanced chewing wise. So make sure you're like present. I know you're anxious about it, but I am also like very on. I one time, one of my kids did have a choking incident once, and it was because I had like given them a nut in the car. So it was like total negligence on my part, and thankfully it was okay. But I am, I am one hundred percent with you on choking prevention. It's always worth it. It's always worth it. Cutting stuff up, you know, making sure they're sitting, being present. All that stuff. Totally. I always ask guests this, what are three resources that you would recommend for moms? So it could be like a documentary, it could be a book, it could be an Instagram account, it could be anything. If you want to kind of dig into more of the nitty gritty, like theory based stuff behind feeding kids, anything by Ellen Satter is a good idea. She is the woman who really kind of put it all together in a way that made sense across so many different families and so many different cultures. So basically any of her books are, are really excellent. I feel like anything the, along the lines of like 
the movie Bad Moms, which is kind of a sketchy movie if you're sensitive to, <laughs> to language or subject matter or whatever. But like something in your life that's just like it's okay to to be yourself and to let most of the stuff go. Yeah. I think most people that listen to this podcast are probably not sensitive <laughs> to language. <laughs> the movie Bad Moms, that movie has helped me immeasurably. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. And then, you know, the other the other resource is not really outside of yourself. It's really inside of yourself. And it's really this. Feed yourself. Like, when you feed your kid... Even if you're eating the same thing as your kid and you're like, this isn't even adult food, feed yourself because even if you don't have a perfect diet or, you know, you're like, this isn't exactly what I need. If you're eating regularly, you're going to have more capacity to handle your child's meltdowns, to understand that you're doing a good job, to kind of roll with the punches a little better. Because a lot of times us moms, like, we kind of eat the kids scraps for breakfast and then maybe we're at work or maybe we're just taking, you know, we're taking care of the kids, which is like three jobs, depending on how many kids you have, or we're doing online learning and we're trying to do a million things at once and we're not feeding ourselves all day. And then four o'clock hits right when the kids become like the worst versions of themselves right before dinner. And then we also have a blood sugar crash at four o'clock because we haven't fed ourselves the whole day. And that's just a recipe for a nightmare. A nightmare which I have lived through many a time. I just feel like there's this really simple resource called a mom snack. Yeah. <laughs> Use that. And we feel a lot better about ourselves. And just, just be mindful of pairing, like, have, your, have a protein food. I don't care if it's, quote, healthy. I don't care what your protein food is. I don't care if it's cheese sticks. Whatever it is, it's going to help you a lot if you just feed yourself snacks throughout the day. It's so funny that you said that because the last few nights, Milo has, he just doesn't want to go to sleep all of a sudden. And so it's been like this big production all evening that has lasted till almost 10 p.m. I'm a snacker, so I have dinner, but then I want my snack in the evening And so I'm sitting on the couch like pissed because I can't have my snack because Milo is downstairs with us. And I'm like, if I take my snack out, he's going to want to eat my snack. And like, he needs to go to bed. So I totally agree. And there have been times where I have left my kids freaking out in their room and I've gone into the bathroom and I've fed myself a snack. And then I go back to my children because the reality is I did a lot less damage because I went and had a snack in the bathroom, which is not even the best place for a snack then I could continue on. So there's, there's just a lot of power in having a steady blood sugar that comes from like protein and fat. And a lot of times moms, we're afraid of fat. We're afraid of protein foods because they have calories and like all this stuff. We got to let that go. Like feed yourself some fat, feed yourself some protein, take care of yourself. Because nobody else, your two-year-old is not going to take care of you. <laughs> it's like on the airplane when they say to put your mask on before you help someone else. <laughs> it's the same thing. You have to eat first. <laughs> right. Sometimes you have to eat first. I mean, sometimes I will feed myself first because, I mean, they don't care. They'll just eat all your food. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sit at a table and they eat all your food and then you're like, oh, and now I'm hungry and grumpy. So it's okay to say no to your toddler. 
like, no, you can't eat my food. It's also okay to say yes, but just go feed yourself some more food after dinner. I love that. That's the best. Okay. So to end, I just thought you could tell us where people can find you on social media. I noticed you're making lots of TikToks now, which is super exciting. You always pop up on my For You page and I'm like, woohoo. <laughs> If you have any TikTok ideas, send them my way. Oh, totally. For sure. Yeah. So I'm at Kidding Color. I'm at Kidding Color kind of everywhere. But if you need a free child feeding guide, which kind of summarizes everything I talked about, but in a more linear fashion, because I can tangent, the free picky eater guide slash child feeding guide is really where it's at. It's so helpful to understand what's your job. What's your child's job? What is normal picky eating? What is extreme picky eating? What can I do to help my child? And this guide has been has helped thousands and thousands of families really get their mind in the right place as far as what they want to feed their kids. And then also free shopping lists and the meal plan. That stuff is on kids.com. But otherwise, if you like me making a fool out of myself in video, TikTok, if you like images, with educational content, come find me on Instagram. Yes. And your highlight reels, those are so informative. Yeah. I mean, I've been on Instagram for like, I guess like over four years now. So it's really a rich source of in-depth, useful information. I'll often have families find me. And then two weeks later, they'll be like, oh my gosh, you totally changed my life. I used to cry at mealtime and now I'm having fun with my kids. It's because there's so much information there that's that's helpful so for sure well super excited that you came on the podcast yay when I asked people who they wanted to come on you came up a bunch of times so everyone's going to be excited but yeah it was nice to meet you virtually and I'm going to put everything that you talked about I'm going to put links in the episode notes so that people can find it easily like your guides and all those things so yeah it was really nice to meet you so thanks for coming on Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. And I will see you on TikTok. (laughs) Okay, have a good day. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.